today on the program. No shit, lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? It's Die Hard. <sighs> Welcome to the Rewatch Party, everybody. I'm your host, Nick. Joining me, as always, are the cocaine to my Ellis, Los and Brandon. How you guys Hans, doing? Hans, Bobby, I'm your white knight. <laughs> white. I can't help Is but to good? look at that guy and think that's Tom Cruise right there. Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah, apparently his character in Tropic Thunder was modeled a lot after this guy, I think. Really? I think so. And then there was also some actual producer who was a big dick bag, whatever. But yeah, I, I did some something. So you're not the only one to make the comparison between him and Tom Cruise for sure. So Hans, Bubby, <laughs> I'm your white knight. <laughs> That's fucking right, listeners. We are now finally here talking about the action movie, the, the action fucking movie, best goddamn action movie there is. Die Hard, get guys. Uh, guess, just guess. Guess I'm gonna rate this at the end. Guess just, just. I'm not sure, actually. I am. I'm just not sure. Wait a. Don't get too cocky, my boy. All how- right, you're really playing down. I think excitement. you're gonna re- say you rewatch it. <sighs> you guys really just ruined the whole thing. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, he was. I think he was doing a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not anymore. <laughs> uh, were you doing a thing? Not anymore. You ruined it. You ruined it. It's gone now. Oh, I hope you're kidding. I wasn't. Uh, this is from 1988, directed by John McTiernan. That's a great year. Is that your year? Yeah. Ah, M- okay. McTiernan. John McTiernan. Uh, I don't. It doesn't matter what else he directed. I, I didn't, <laughs> he, he directed Die Hard. That's yeah. all you need he to He could say. have done this and then retired and been, he directed Die Hard. And that's all we fucking give a shit about. I bet this movie's made a shitload of money. Let's yeah, look it up. Uh, Budget. Look at that. Budget. $28 million. $28 million, okay. Worldwide gross. Hundred and forty-one million. So, like, as of now, as of now, one hundred and forty-one million worldwide. That's it for Die Hard. If it makes it, if it makes a difference, one hundred forty-one point six. Does that make a difference? There, that's what okay. I was looking for. Okay, <laughs> uh, but no, John McTiernan did not stop here. He also gave us Predator, ah, the last action hero in the rewatch, and. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Also in the rewatch. Also in the rewatch. So my Die Hard ranking, I was thinking usually we'll wait till the end of a of a franchise and rank them, you know? Uh-huh. But one and three, one uh, and, and Vengeance, they're fucking neck and neck for me. Like, they're just so excellent. And then two, two is like right underneath. It's good. Four and five, I don't know, just fuck off. They're, they're off a cliff somewhere, <laughs> but... And so the two, like, really excellent Die Hard movies, both John McTiernan. So something there. Coincidence? Probably not. I think not. not. Uh, This is based on the novel Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. Whatever. Stupid-ass name. I had no idea about that, that it was based on a book. It's based on the novel. Uh, So the novel's written in 1979. It's a sequel to his novel called The Detective, which is... From 1966. Which is about John McClane as a detective? 
Well, the guy's name was not John McClane. I don't remember what it was originally, so they changed it when they decided to not be a thing. Because there was the detective, the novel was turned into a movie starring Frank Sinatra. So when they decided to take the sequel novel and also turn it into a movie, since Sinatra was the character, Frank Sinatra got asked first. He got first choice to be in Die Hard. In 88? That's when this movie came out. Yeah. So, ooh, yeah, Sinatra was old been as a fuck. Totally different. Well, yeah, I mean, because again, it's it's not as hyped up action originally. Yeah. When that when they took it away, and it was, I mean, <clears throat> I have not read the book. Nothing lasts forever. Uh, I'm guessing that he would have been in his sixties. It's not as 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 action once they took it from that because. It went through a lot of iterations, as I'll talk about as we go through it. But yeah, uh, Sinatra had to be offered at first because it technically was a sequel to one of his properties. But he turned it down because he's like, "What the fuck? No." Uh, he was seven; would have been seventy-three. I have seventy-three. Would have been seventy-three when it's coming out. So after him, they offered it to Arnold oh, and Sly. I looked at years active, and I thought thirty-five was the year he was born. Uh, years uh, active. Can bad. you imagine this movie with Sly? No, God, that would be <laughs> terrible. It has to be a clear table. All right, all right. They sh- he shot yeah. the glass. That's yeah, probably why they didn't yeah, go with motherfucker. it. No, it would have been terrible. Um, but they turned it down. A bunch of it went through a whole bunch of people, and it finally landed on Bruce Willis. He was pretty much unknown. The only thing Bruce Willis had really, really done uh, was a TV show called Moonlighting. It was a comedy show with Sybil Shepherd. Mm-hmm. And that's really all he had going. So he was he was really unknown and kind of had to film this and the show at the same time, much like Michael J. Fox had to film Back to the Future at the same time as Family Ties. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did get a break. Sybil Shepherd ended up pregnant, and they shut down filming of the TV show for 11 weeks. So that gave Bruce some time to focus on making this movie. Um, so there's, there's that little trivia. Uh, the screenplay, though, since we talked about the novel here, <clears throat> screenplay written by Jeb Stewart and Stephen D'Souza. 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 Have we had him on before? <clears throat> no, we have talked about D'Souza. Seems like that Somebody seems like a D'Souza. familiar name. And I was going to talk about some movies these guys had written, and then I was going through the filmography, and Jesus Christ, we could do a whole episode just talking about the movies these guys have written. Like they are the heavy hitters of the screenplays of action movies from the eighties and nineties. Like I guarantee, goddamn t, you have seen at least five movies that these guys had a hand in. I, uh, okay, unless you're one of the younger listeners, you know, if you've watched '80s and '90s movies, you know these guys work for sure. Uh, they are the oh that guy, I guess, of screenwriting <laughs> because they've been on all. Uh, and then it is put out by 20th Century Fox. Coincidentally. Their headquarters is yeah. the building used <laughs> as Nakatomi Plaza. Well, and right. due to whatever stupid legalese and paperwork bullshit, they had to charge themselves rent. No, man, that's just a tax write-off. I guess. because I, I figured it was because there's the their main office, but then their, the, the film part of their company, like they had to charge their the film part rent for the office building, even though it's still the same parent company. But well, of like, course. Well, yeah, and then you write that off yeah. as a business expense. Right. So you're... So paying, you're getting it on both you're, ends. You're paying your giggity. Talking about the devil's triangle. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, but... <laughs> oh. I don't think they know what you're talking about from last week. Uh, yeah. Listen to it. If you haven't... You don't know what you're talking you about, listen, listen to it, to it now. What the fuck are you doing here? 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, 20th Century Fox made out like bandits on this. Speaking of making out like bandits, we got a movie. Uh, we open on a plane landing, which is a common thing. Like I, I can't think of any other top of my head, but there are a lot of movies that start like opening credits, some shitty fucking 80s pop song, planes touching onto the runway. Right? Like that, that well, seems it's a, a perfect thing. metaphor, Nick. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm like, and? No. Uh, Bruce Willis is digging his fingers into the, the armrests, right? You can tell he's super uncomfortable. So the guy in the window seat next to him is like, oh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm a frequent traveler. So what you got to do uh, when you get where you're going there, you uh, take off your shoes and socks. Make balls with your feet. Make a fist with your feet. Make a fist with your feet. Trust me, I've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. He's like, uh, okay, uh. And he stands up to get his luggage, and the guy sees his gun. He's like, don't worry, I'm a cop. Trust me, I've been doing it for 11 years. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of funny. Um, so it's better than a shower and a hot cup of coffee, I guess. So, yeah. Bruce Willis, who plays, of course, John McClane, like I even need to fucking say that he's John McClane. Who doesn't know that name? Uh, has the giant teddy bear, and they go walking through the airport. Also, he's smoking, I've noticed. I couldn't help but notice, like, in an airport? Smoking in an airport. It was the 80s. Exactly. It's it's different just, time. It's way different. <laughs> he's smoking everywhere. He's, and he gets in a limo, and he's riding in the front seat of the fucking limo. The bear gets to ride in the back. <laughs> but he's smoking in the fucking limo. smoking everywhere. Uh, so we cut to the Christmas party at Nakatomi Plaza. Uh, we meet Takagi. Who's oh, hang play- on. You're, you're going you're gonna to gloss over Argyle? Oh yeah, oh, you're right. Dude, you're I right, love right. Ar- I love Argyle. Meet Argyle, movie. his driver who he's chatting. I was like, "You always this fucking chatty Argyle." Like, <laughs> yeah. Sir, I used to be a cab driver. Man, hold pe- up, people. Argyle can be forgot about. He doesn't have any real great significance. What? In, he, until like the he does at the, the end. One last thing at the end, but I'd say that's pretty significant. They, they bring a, he he pops up a few times. He so he's Chekhov's Argyle then. Chekhov's Argyle. Chekhov's <laughs> limo driver. Yep. Then yeah, just keeping with it. it. Then continue. So yeah, now we meet uh, we meet Takagi, who's played by James Shigeta. Huh? Uh, talking to the party here, you know. We, so we got Merry Christmas, <laughs> Happy New Year, company party thing. Uh, Ellis, fucking Ellis, fucking Ellis, played by Hart Bachner, who uh, was in Supergirl. If you guys ever saw that, waste of fucking film. No, Supergirl. Well, don't with Alicia Kilvestone. Uh, Alicia Kilverstone. Well, her name's Silverstone, but no, that's not who played Supergirl. Oh, okay. Take it easy. At all. Um, so he was in that, but he also directed PCU. Do you know PCU? Uh, Pacific Coast Highway. No, University. That's PCH. I, I've no, I don't uh, know. Yes, it does actually supposed to stand for that, but in the terms of the movie, PCU is in PC. And it's a whole movie about how different groups are offended by all this shit. Oh, it's a political correctness university? That kind of PC. And so, of course, he runs the frat oh. that's the partiers and the crazy fucking dregs of society and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it's a big, like, commentary on PC shit in a college standpoint. It's pretty fucking funny, actually. It's it's a good movie. George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic make a cameo. But Wait, the Clintons were behind that? Yeah, the Clintons were behind Oh, man. <laughs> Tell me the Clintons it. did this, dude? But Harpock Egg Ellis here was the director of that. So he's like really trying to hit on Holly. He's <laughs> definitely how we meet him and also Bonnie Bedelia playing Holly. Gennaro, he is just trying to bury that bone. So, but Bonnie tells him to fuck off and uh, calls home. So now we find out here that Holly is the estranged wife. And mother of two. 
McLean rather than yeah, McLean speaking. And so, <laughs> hello, this is your mother. Oh, they're coming home with you. Well, we'll have to see what Santa can do this year. Now you go the fuck to bed. Well, then why are you calling me and keeping me from bed, mommy? And uh, that's exactly how that's going. <laughs> I just wanted to cuddle. All right. So, yeah. Uh, oh, this is where Argyle. So I didn't skip over Argyle. We just jumped ahead in my notes. I'm sorry. So they're talking, and we find out she moved because of work, and Argyle calls it right here. He's like, ah, you uh, you didn't fall. Because he says, if we, so I had backlogs and all these uh, criminals I had to catch, all this uh, couple I had to do, uh, name, uh, you know, I'm Bruce, uh, Bruce Willis over here. He goes, no, 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 let me, let me, let me get it. You didn't think it would work out. And she'd come crawling back. He's like, huh? You're a very observational guy, Argyle. Yeah. And then we cue Run DMC's Christmas and Hollis. First Christmas song of the movie. Not a Christmas song. Okay, it is a Christmas song. It is a Christmas song. (laughs) It's not a good one. Oh, I I didn't say it was a good one. All right. I didn't say it was a good one. I'm somewhat of a rap fan myself. All right. Back at Nakatomi. Uh, that's me as Defoe. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why I keep bringing up Defoe. He's not in this. Because the way you were doing that accent earlier, you were doing Bruce Willis. It sounded just like you were oh, doing Defoe. Yeah, I was just rushing through shit. Whatever. <laughs> so get, he's dropping, dropping Bruce Willis off at Nakatomi, and he's like, do you want me to wait or not? And Bruce's like, I have no fucking idea, dude. I don't know what's going on. Tell you what, since I'm the coolest limo driver in the world, I'm just going to hang out. You call me to say yay or nay. Right. If your old lady decides to take you back, let me know. I'll take off. If not, I'll give you a ride to the hotel. How's that work? He's like, hey, that's a cool limo driver. Pretty fucking good deal. (laughs) Yeah. He goes, you just remember that come time for the tip. (laughs) So now uh, Takagi welcomes Bruce in, you know, happens to drop this mention of uh, several floors are still under construction. Let's just bring that up right now. Um, Holly's busy doing something, but I can take you to her office. And as soon as they walk in, there's a <laughs> Ellis just blowing rails on her desk, just straight sniffing, skiing them slopes. And uh, what there's a thing, he's like, I didn't realize the Japanese celebrated Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, well, we couldn't get you with Pearl Harbor, so we get you with cassette tape decks. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's oh, right. wow. Pearl Harbor jokes in our movie. Great, great time. So he's... He goes into the private bathroom, right? He's washing up in the sink. Uh, a couple bursts in, definitely looking for a place to fuck. And they want to get their little uh, commando sexcapade going on. But they realize that the room's not empty. Whoops, they leave the room. You know, oopsie, oops. Uh, so Holly says, uh, well, you know, I got, I got a guest room. You can stay with, uh, stay with me and the kids if you want. Um, but she gets called away. So now he starts doing the barefoot thing. You know, you see him standing there. Squeezing his toes, making Make a, a little, fist. making the fist. And he's like, "Son of a bitch!" He's like, oh, kind of walking around." All right, and this is when the bad guys show up. And this, I've got a problem with this scene. All right, air these grievances. The airing of grievances. So, I mean, he's a cop. He's trained to perform to like show up to events like that are catastrophic in nature, like a shooting of some mm-hmm. sort. Your first sense should be, "I'm gonna put my shoes back on," but no. Oh, no, right. he just just with just fucking barefoot and comes just back to fuck him it in the d- end. Definitely comes back and like fucks that's him. the hardest thing for me to believe in this movie is that he wouldn't put his shoes. <laughs> he back wouldn't on. have put his shoes back on. Yeah, because like they pull up through the building, a couple of guys come up front pretending to talk about 
football. Sports or whatever, So yeah. sports thing, and as they blow away the front, the desk guard, the quarterback is total. Oh, no, that's later, sorry. But whatever, they're talking about some sports yeah. bullshit. Uh, shoot the guard. Uh, oh, yeah, so this is where we meet Theo and Carl. Theo is played Theo. by Clarence Gilliard Jr. Last week we brought up Walker, Texas Ranger. This guy plays Walker's sidekick. Yep. He's Chuck Norris's number two. Absolutely. Carl is played by Alexander Gudenov. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> Who's from the movie Money Pit with Tom Hanks? You saw that? Money Pit? No. Well, Carl. Also, I'm pretty sure he's in Ghostbusters. It was not listed in his filmography, but I thought he was the rival. When uh, Bill Murray's trying to get it on with Sigourney Weaver throughout Iggy. the whole movie, I thought that this guy that plays Carl was like the the competition. I, I've never seen I never never saw Ghostbusters? Nope. Damn. No, I saw a Ghostbusters. I saw the cartoon. I oh, watched Ghostbusters. But not that cartoon. Yeah, not the movie. Um, so anyway, that's who these people are. So they've got a well-orchestrated takeover, right? The way they they swoop in, it's very they've they're like almost military precision. It's like Ocean's Eleven style, a little bit, yeah. Uh, Hans Eleven, not the one with or Gruber's uh, Eleven, not the one with uh, Sinatra. Not right. Just <laughs> just speak of another Sinatra property. That's right. Like the way they take out all the security guards, they hack into the system. I like one. There's this one guy who's like cutting the lines. He's trying to bypass power. You know, it's like. Put the clip, the alligator clips, and then snip them. Alligator clips, snip them, and fucking Carl just comes just through with the chainsaw, chainsaw, just starts hacking through shit. Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> just, he's just hacking through shit. Uh, it's fucking hilarious. How is hilarious. those alligator clips going to work over the insulation? Like they're not. It? No, I think they. Uh, <laughs> they're not at all. I think they were just faking it. And also, I'm gonna go the, on the limb. What's the point of doing that? I guess it depends on what the alligator clips are hooked to. Like they're running it through some. Some device they have, because really all you're doing is still completing the circuit. So what's the point of snipping it in the first fucking place? And also, you're moving where it's going into, then, like the receiving. But it's then, on, coming from the feeder end is where Carl cuts through with the chainsaw. So there's nothing coming to your alligator clips, fucking anyway. <laughs> yeah, they didn't think about it. This doesn't so much. make any fucking. I think sense. maybe they were just trying to be strategic and cutting certain things. And he just he and just came yeah. through and landed. And I mean, it. it's one of those like, yeah, that's gonna work. The chainsaw, <laughs> Again, yeah, obviously, probably gonna set off a lot of red flags. But yeah, it could have somehow hit but another he's like alarm system because he needs to get a certain number of things done. Yeah. Like they're trying to keep power to stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But when he just cuts through everything anyway, then the guy sitting there with the alligator clips trying to keep power to certain things, it's it's moot at that point. Well, because when they're when they're talking about the safe, he was talking like the seven steps or right. whatever that it takes. The last one's the electromagnetic. Yeah, and that's what the FBI is for. And that's what they end but up I'm saying cutting. What, what this guy's doing, that he's freaking out that Carl's going to fuck up because he's not... Like, he rushes and he finally like, oh, yeah. he's like, relief. Everything he did was for fucking nothing. It yeah. means nothing. Anyway, we're not worrying too much into an 80s action movie. Sorry, everybody. So, uh, we get... Uh, <coughs> Bruce is calling Argyle to say, all right, she invited me to stay at her house. You're good to go. All right, he's trying to call him. That's when the, the cuts of the wires happen. The phone goes out, and then he hears the gunshots. So, he peeks out the room and sees the hostile takeover, sees the guys running in, hears the screaming, all that. But they're already, like, making their way down the hallway, you know? Uh, so he's, like, kind of freaking out, like, oh, fuck, they're going to be right here. But they stop in the room before, and this is where some the, the fuckers that tried to fuck in this office, they, but, you know, he was there, so they couldn't fuck there. They, they went into the next door room. 
So the the terrorists were dealing with them, and that gave him a chance to sneak out and get into the stairwell. So to and to to your shoe grievance, I think it was a timing issue. It's like, oh, they they fucking stopped at that room right there. Like they're they're going room to room to room. I've got to go right now. Like while they're distracted, is my only chance to just run right this second. How long does it take you to put on a pair of shoes? Longer than the fucking one second it takes you to run across the hall in full visibility take into a stairway. Yeah, he sits there and he looks him. at the Definitely window. Definitely could have taken him with him. Yeah. He sees the people screaming. He sees his homegirl. He sees that somebody's shooting right next he sees to the, the door. door to the stairwell. They're and they're grabbing the fuckers. At this point, I'd be like, all right, socks and shoes, let's go. Socks and shoes. Real if he freaking stops quick. And puts on socks and shoes. At that point, they're gonna be in his room. Like he has to go now. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, now he's in the room. So uh, less than twenty, probably less than thirty seconds before. Less than thirty seconds. You can put. I socks just think somebody who's seconds. trained to like think things through in a in a high paced emergency situation, like you're gonna. Oh fuck! I'm gonna. Need I'm gonna those. need some goddamn shoes. Yeah. Shit's going down. I. Yeah. Got to protect my tootsies. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we'll find that out later. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure will. So the uh, uh, by the time John, John McTiernan got the script, it called for the uber hero, super human '80s action star kind of cop, and uh, that's probably why it was authored uh, Arnold and Sly. But he decided not to. He's like, I want a regular guy. I want a dude, believably cop. Yeah. Right. Like I want it to be. I want the. I want the dads going out through this summer to a movie to be able to relate to it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Check this out. As the, uh, as the the terrorists come walking in, the guy on the very left here is bound to walk into a wall, but they cut off. They change scenes right before he hits the wall. Look at this, Nick. So the guy's walking. And then there's a wall right there. <laughs> it's almost a stormtrooper. Yeah. <laughs> situation, right? And they do cut it. <laughs> um, right now I'm reading all the different uh, factual errors and goofs and oh, everything yeah. of the trivia here. So, so here's where we meet Alan Rickman. Oh, Hans Gruber. Fucking Alan Rickman. Holy shit. Ah, fucking love. What a role. What a fucking actor, dude. Yeah. Uh, he had done some TV and some stage work, but nothing big. No movies. Really? Prior to this? Yeah. Oh, wow. And he had been in Hollywood less than a week. So this is kind of like role. the breakout role for both Willis and, yes. and him. Yes. Wow. It was. And he almost, Alan Rickman almost didn't take it because he's like, I don't, wanna, I don't want to be typecast as a villain uh, like right well, away. You got me. <laughs> But what? God damn that voice! John Wayne does not walk off into the sunset with Grace Kelly. God, I love him so, so good. Much. I wonder how dead Alan Rickman feels about young Alan Rickman's hesitation to not want to be typecast <laughs> as a as an evil. He guy. probably laughs about it. Like, well, that's the entire reason we have a career, there, buddy. <laughs> um, so he's an English actor, which it does come through, but he ha- got a German accent, and there are times it's just pretty English and not so much German. Like, I'm a fucking expert on accents and impressions to speak, but but they discovered that he could also do a good American accent, which led to <laughs> writing that scene. Yeah. They wanted a way for our hero and our villain to meet before the very, very, very end of the movie, mm-hmm. but they didn't really know how. 
And once they discovered that Rickman could do a good American accent, they're like, oh, that That's gives it. us an idea. And so that whole scene was written like after filming was kind of going like well, and I had the read, process of it. I had read they, that was their first time meeting face to face to kind of keep that. Like the um, actors even? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah. could be. That, uh, and they, that was purposeful to kind of get that, uh, that organic uh, interaction, that surprise between the two uh, Which actors. Which makes sense, yeah. Because they're both pretty new, so you probably don't want them to have to... Eh, how much faith can we put in their craft? I don't know. Let's uh, let's help them out. Yeah. Just keep that. them separated. A little offspring. Yeah, that's right. All right, so now Hans takes Takagi to a separate office, right? Leads him away. He, he wants his password. Now, while he's talking to Takagi, uh, we can see Mr. Mr. McLean, right? See Mr. McLean sneaking around. So he's like, they're kind of watching what's happening. Like, ooh, mm-hmm. these are bad guys. Where's my chance to do something? Like, he knows he's outnumbered and he can't just go running in there like, you're under arrest or yeah. any shit like that. But he's, you know, doing his recon, trying to figure some shit out. He's casing the joint. You see later he's writing down their names. Yeah, right on, on his, his forearm. His yeah. he luckily has a Sharpie. So I'm like, you couldn't get my shoes, but I grabbed the Sharpie off of the desk. Um, I don't well, know where I mean, he got it from. We didn't see him actually. He could put it in his, his old prison, his prison wallet. wallet. <laughs> yeah, nature's pocket. Um, so this is where he talks about, or they're like, what kind of terrorists are you? And he's like, no, we just went the $640 million in bearer bonds that you have in your sa- in your vault. Uh, so this is another move that uh, director McTiernan made. He said he wanted to make them thieves instead of terrorists because if they were terrorists, then it's like, he didn't want it to be like alienating a whole country or saying, oh, oh well, Germans, okay, we get it. Fucking Indiana Jones has been fighting Nazis already. We we get that. He doesn't want it to be another like this country is bad or whatever he wanted. So instead of making He's them, like, I don't want to hire a bunch of brown people to pretend they're Muslims. We're going to go with white guys <laughs> no, no, and say that no, they're thieves. No, no, I'm saving no, me some money. No. <laughs> no, that's totally plausible. No, he didn't want to make it terrorist because he didn't want to be political or villainize a whole country. He said, let's just make them thieves. So then it becomes essentially cops and robbers Yep. in a in a cool, over-the-top fashion, but in a somehow realistic and believable everyman kind of way. Yep. And uh, that was his idea. Like, well, that would make for a more relatable summer blockbuster instead of this over-the-top bullshit that... Arnold and Sly have been feeding us. And uh, a good call on his part. They really see Very, it in the very summer? good call on his part. Huh? They really sit in the uh, summer? Yeah, this was a summer movie. I don't remember the month. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. It's we'll not a Christmas it. movie. <laughs> uh, July 20. See, July 20. So, I mean, we're almost... Well, almost hey, look up, there on look it, up yeah. when Home Alone was released. That was probably in June or July as well. Yeah. So. And that's considered a Christmas movie. So, I see what you're getting here. Um, so now uh, you see where I'm getting at. I'm going to I'm gonna give you some uh, little ammo for it. <clears throat> little ammo. Support so so Hans, uh, wants these codes to open up the, the vault and he's given Takagi till the count of three. And he's like, wait, no, we can't. There's well, our system. You can't. Blow. And, and, uh, he counts three and fucking fires. Gives it to him. And uh, Home Alone released November 16th, 1990. Uh, November. Mm. Just in time for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of is. So, you know, sorry, buddy. So. <laughs> it's not a Christmas the camera, movie. The Brandon. camera cuts away just as Hans uh, blows away Takagi. <laughs> because Alan Rickman couldn't 
not flinch when he f- fired the gun. They also really? put extra loud blank. Like he wanted, uh, McTiernan wanted like a big flash, a big mm-hmm. muzzle flash. So they did something to the blanks to get to get that, but it was also loud as fuck. So did they do the like uh, the Brandon Lee treatment and shove oh, another yeah. blank in there? <laughs> Still somehow have a projectile in it. Um, but yeah, Alan Rickman kept flinching, so they had to do some cutting to hide him like being squeamish every time he fired, which is why when he blows away Takagi, it cuts to a it blood cuts. splatter on the door instead, which honestly ends up being more effective. I, I, I like when shit like that works out. Like in Jaws, the reason you never see the shark is because the fucking robot <laughs> kept fucking up. And it ends up being way better for the well, movie. Yeah, because you never run. see it. Yeah. So it cutting away, I think, is a, is really effective. Maybe even more so than just seeing him get shot, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I like that. And so now McLean's like, oh, shit. Oh, 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 real quick, sorry. After he shoots uh, Takagi, you see Carl and Theo are sitting in the room with him, and Carl pulls a dollar bill out of his pocket and hands it over to Theo. And they never explain it, anything about it, but what... Apparently, uh, the like on director's commentary, they talk about how those characters had a bet on whether or not Takagi would give the codes. Because uh. <laughs> if he just gave the codes, it's over, you know. Yeah. And so when he has to blow them away, well, no, it wouldn't you see him be pay because off, pay off the bet because Takagi does say, "If I give you the codes, they'll just it's change so, them before blah blah blah." And, he, and then that's when Rickman's like, "Well, then there's no reason there's not reason to give, not it to give it to me the codes." Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter at all. Anyway, but that's why he hands a dollar over is because they ah. had a bet on on it. A little little thing that they don't Love really like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now McLean's all pissed off. It's like, Ella's why didn't like, you do anything, why, John? Hey, the fuck didn't you stop them, John? Because then you'd be dead too, asshole. <laughs> um, which is fucking great. Now we get we see some guys are wiring up, uh, just doing some something on the they're, roof. They're throwing wire, they're running around, some wire, yeah, some for, wire up on the explosives. roof or something, probably. But our first glimpse of my man Al Young coming back. <laughs> yeah. Survived his fight with Van Damme. Or wait, would that He's the only person to have survived a Van Damme. Almost. Uh actually that Death Warrant was what, ninety? So this is before. This is before the, his run in with Van Damme. But we do see Al Young. So Bruce he pulls the fire alarm. It's the yeah. only thing which is a great fucking yeah, move Death on his Warren part. Death Warrant was ninety. Uh, so great move. Pull the fire alarm. Get the fucking responders here. Get people here. You know, bring attention to this. So the the terrorist replacement front desk guy, mm-hmm. country singer Randy Travis, is our is the actor here. Is that Randy who that fucking was? Travis? Yeah, is the new security guy. <laughs> and he calls on. Is like, yeah. Well, uh, the. Call the fire department, give them the code, tell them it was a false alarm. Tell them it was a false alarm, something, something about the party, maybe the construction, whatever, just call them off. Yeah, okay. He's like, wait, (laughs) what floor was that on, by the way? Yeah. And that's where, uh, now we cut to Bruce Willis, who's on one of the floor, the construction floors. 32 or something, I think. I think 32. And so he's there, and he sees all these fire trucks come racing towards the building. He's like, yeah, celebrating. And all of a sudden, their lights and sirens turn off. And they U-turn and drive away. It's like, no, no. Oh, my God. Um, so then the elevator dings. And he turns around. And now we get the first, the first fucking real action scene of our movie. Because the baddie comes along. I, I just call him the baddie. The one that was doing the alligator clip bypassing stuff earlier. 
And he's like searching around the construction. We believe floor. in nothing, Bruce Willis. <laughs> it is a bit. It is a bit nihilist here. But so he's walking around, and Bruce <laughs> like has a gun pointed at him. He's like, "You won't do anything to me. You're a policeman. You don't hurt people. Yeah, that's what my captain keeps telling me. <laughs> Blam! <laughs> elbow to the face, and then big old fight scene. Uh, awesome fight. This movie has excellent fight scenes. Again, I think it goes back to not having like super tough action star. You know, it, it lends to that guy in over his head and he gets by on chance a lot yeah. instead of being like so fucking badass. It's more a- average everyday kind of person. Yeah, because like he, he wrestles around with this guy and they end up falling down the stairs. Like they break through yeah. the door and fall down the stairs, which, that just which snaps happened. the guy, happens to snap the guy's neck. So he like, he doesn't beat the guy up because he's so fucking cool. I so was going to kill him. Yeah, he's so fucking injured, dude. Then look, we fell down the stairs and I broke his neck. I'm Jack Burton. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, something like that. I'm McLean. So he, he lucks out, but as he uh, digs through the body, he gets uh, he gets the guy's ID, finds out, Good look at ID, which comes up later. He gets some smoke. So those come up throughout well, the entire movie. The lighter. Yeah, the gets lighter. The radio. Get, get some weapons. The radio gets a lot of info. Check yeah. off. Uh, check off. Check off. This. Check off. Radio. Checklist. Check of... off. Check off list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now he tries to put on the shoes. I love this. Yeah. All the terrorists in the world. I got the one with feet smaller than my sister. That's crazy. You'd think that that taller fucking German <laughs> guy would have... Dude, they're fucking Germans. Like, you yeah. mean to tell me he's got tiny ass? There's no way. Yeah. But he get he like looks at the elevator, looks back and sees a Santa thing, and he gets this great idea. And this fucking... This is awesome. Because what it's he does a Christmas movie. And he, <laughs> so now back down at the Christmas party, <laughs> the elevator opens, and they see the dead body, and people start screaming... And then what does it say? And his shirt says, now I have a machine gun. Uh, but hole, it says, yeah. Hole, hole. Uh, which is awesome. I mean, fucking, out of, I, there are like a hundred goddamn iconic lines in this movie, <laughs> but that's definitely one of them. And then he just like dresses up this dead body and sends it down and then hops on top of the elevator to watch and it. As, so as he's like talking on the radio to be like, okay, some motherfucker's doing this. They got this guy and get send Carl to do that. And he's just up there with a the Sharpie, like writing down on his hand right now. I know there are seven guys. I got this. And he's like, so he's doing his own recon here. Fucking smart move. McLean. Now he gets himself up to the roof and he uses this radio that he took <laughs> from the guy to call for an emergency uh, and the lady's like, uh, sir, I don't know who this is, but this is an emergency only line. And that's where we get our yeah. opening line. No shit, lady. I like I'm ordering a pizza. She's like, well, it, this is a, this is a crime. Well, good. Get the fuck down here and arrest me. Just send some cops <laughs> right now. I don't give a fuck. Um, so Carl's on his way up to the roof to get revenge. Cause that happened to be his brother that got murdered. Yeah. And so he starts firing. And so Bruce Willis runs away, but the gunshots over the radio even make the dispatch take off their headset. Like, oh, fuck. Okay, that something's definitely going on. So uh, get it black and white out there. Send it black and white. Send it black and white. Uh, And this is where we meet Al Powell, played by Reginald Vell Johnson from Family Matters, as well as Die Hard 2. That's right. (laughs) He'll be back next week, everybody. Um, So he's buying Twinkies. He's buying a whole, a whole lot, lot of, of Twinkies. Well, not just Twinkies, well, Twinkies but all sorts of other stuff. Ho-Hos and Ding yeah. Dongs and He's all those other all. really, really perverted named Little Debbie snacks. The Ho-Hums. 
ho ho hoes and dum dums and ding dongs and co- or uh, snowballs. They're yep. just all so suggestive. Um, and the fucking gas station clerk's giving him guff. Like, oh, I thought, I you, thought you guys just ate donuts. Like, Fuck you, man. This is for my wife. Uh huh. She's, She's pregnant. pregnant. Ah, whatever. Fuck you, man. You son of a bitch. But then, yeah, the call comes through of a, a code two. A code two at no, which code two is like, get there, check it out, but no lights. Oh yeah, no, it's not. Like, yeah, don't don't raise suspicions or don't raise awareness yeah. to it, but but get the go, fuck go over there. Go check it out. Yeah, so, uh, he gets he gets uh, I, yeah, again the guys were shooting at him. That's what made the dispatch like drop their headsets and call yep. the black and white in. So he's still firing back and forth with Carl. Gets back into the building. However, uh, right before that scene, because he was at the gas station, did you notice how much gas was at that time? Oh, God, what? Fucking 90 cents? 74 cents 74 a gallon. 74 cents a gallon. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I, it's just Reagan's America, that. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Was Reagan president? Was he at 88? 88? Still? Was 88 still that Reagan? Sounds about right. <laughs> um, so then he's running back through the building. I love how he keeps seeing the same pinup, like the same centerfold taken out of a nudie magazine. Oh, in the as he's like running around, like well, I think the that elevator was the shaft same. I stuff. think it was the same. Yeah, yeah, same yeah that's one. how like his place marker. That's how he knows where he is because yeah. he like taps it. And he's like, "Hello, ladies." And he, yeah, it's, it's like so that he knows where he is. Sort of, it's like his uh, breadcrumb trail yeah. kind of thing, and so. Now we get the the scene like he's kind of trapped, but he sees the thing. He stops that fan blade from the air system oh, yeah. and crawls through that. And now he's in the ductwork, and he has his gun propped at the, the opening of it. Yeah, and using the strap to like lower himself down, trying to get to like the vent below. The, the vent below, and then the the strap comes loose and he falls. And you can see the see him try to grab for one and miss it, and he catches the next one down. Mm-hmm. The stuntman was supposed to grab that first one, but he missed that one. Missed. Uh, so it was a fuck up by the stuntman, and they and they kept that. Nice. And uh, so now he's crawling through this vent, and we, he turns on his lighter. Oh, I love this scene. <laughs> so much light from a little flame. I, I know. Well, it's a tight, very dark space, so any kind of light would would go a lot farther. I feel, but I love. It. Come on to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Clicks it shut. <laughs> um, and that's when Carl sees Come him. On. He's like, oh, he's in the air vents. Let's go down there. Also, this is an ornament. I've seen a lot of like how to make it craft videos of, of making your scene. own John McClane with a lighter in his face in the, in the air vents that you can hang on your tree. Like you make a Christmas <laughs> ornament. Because out of. it's a Christmas <laughs> movie. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, I love. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, you can make yeah the the little ornaments of Bruce Willis hanging <laughs> on your tree. It's yeah, it's just great. a it's basically a, a square, square box with uh it's a box put on its side. Oh, it's like three D or yeah. <laughs> and then they put a pic, they take There's a picture, a and then picture. they wrap it in the inside, so it's sort of him in the inside the vent. Yeah, it's pretty it's, fucking. It's pretty funny. funny. Um, Only if this was a Christmas movie, that'd make more it, sense. It would make a lot of sense. You're right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like how. John McTiernan uses tension very, very well in a lot of these scenes. Because this one where he's in the vent and Carl comes through and fires a bunch of bullets. Mm-hmm. Doesn't hit anything and he's not seeing any blood dripping now. So he walks around with his gun and is like he's poking, poking the vents. And so now Bruce Willis is doing a bit of a desperado where he's like trying to quietly cock his gun and get it ready. He's like, oh, fuck, 
I don't know why it's not already got one in the chamber, right. but that's okay. But but just the tension of it, it like he's builds, and then Carl gets called back, and he's like, oh, fuck. there's just so much of those moments of like. Well, yeah, because uh, McLean's watching him through the vent, uh-huh. and of course Hans, or not Hans, but Kyle can't see him. But the right. way that the camera, like, it shows the two perspectives, it makes it seem like they're looking at each other, uh, almost, or or could be, but you can't see up into a vent. I mean, if you're inside, I'm sure you could see because there's more light out yeah. here than there is up in there. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's fucking great. Like, well, McTiernan. Well done. That's why he's got the two good Die Hard movies. <laughs> and so now Powell gets there, and he's like, everything looks good, but uh, let me go inside and talk. And he talks to old Randy Travis. He's like, oh, yeah, that was a false alarm. Do you mind if I look around? Nah. And he's just watching his basketball game, right? So while he's kind of walking around the grand floor, he's, I mean, he, it seems... Everything's fine. I'm just here because whatever. Like, I'm doing whatever. the bare minimum because I got to get these Twinkies to my wife, you know? Uh, so he's not doing a whole lot, just half-assing it. But meanwhile, Bruce is in the shootout with a guy because he'd made it made it his way back to the office where Takagi got shot. Even goes by blood splatter still on the fucking door there, right? And the guy comes in, and they're kind of like, freeze, 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 and they're like doing a little bit of a standoff before... A second guy comes in, Bruce Willis blows him away, which gives that first guy a chance to start firing. So now he's underneath the, the longest, most zigzagginest, wildest, serpentine-looking boardroom table you've ever seen in your life. Because Bruce is under it, and the guy's walking along shooting it. It's like fucking left and right and left and right and zigzagging all over the place, which is a weird way to make a table, but I guess it's the 80s. You do you. And he says the line, next time you have the chance to kill someone, don't wait. <laughs> <laughs> responded to blah 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 blah. Thanks for the advice. <laughs> he blows Thanks. the fuck out of the dew, and so then he sees that Al Powell's back in his car and he's about to leave. And he's like, "God damn it! What the fuck? It this shit would never fly in New York." Like Bruce Willis is not happy with LAPD, which you know a lot of people really weren't. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so they now, fucked up in the past. They, they, a previous episode Deathworms, we talked about LAPD procedure, <laughs> but <he's> <laughs> <laughs> pretty PO'd, and so That's he right. launches this dead body the fuck out the window, and it lands on the car, which makes him like race off in reverse and go off an embankment, embankment, embankment. That's not even a word. A buttress. A buttress. In buttress. Uh, an embankment wrecked the fuck trust. out of his car. Oh, also, as well as throwing the body down, he fires at the car and screams. Welcome to the party, pal. It's another one of the classic lines. So now reporter piece of shit, I mean Thornburg, played by William Atherton, also from Ghostbusters, but he was in Real Genius with Val Kilmer. Uh, he catches the police call because he's one of those fucking headhunters that listen to scanners to go get their stories. Uh, he, uh, You can see it. As soon as he hears it, the bloodlust in his eyes, you can just fucking see it. I got to get this story. I want to taste the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Just what you're going up to do? Yeah, that's right. And so now this is where Bruce Willis and Hans start doing their band. Now they're really starting to talk to each other. Like, you know my name, but I don't know yours. What do I call you? Are you you're just another fucking cowboy like John Wayne? Are you a Rambo? We got another fucking Rambo reference. A lot of Rambo references in these movies. 
And he's always like, I was always supposed to Roy Rogers myself. You really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Cowboy. Yippee ki motherfucker. Yippee. Which, uh, that, I don't know where that landed on the top 100 lines of dialogue. Yippee ki motherfucker. But that, that did make it in the top 100 lines of movies. Ah. If you take every line spoken in all of Hollywood. Oh. Definitely. I mean, I, I personally would put it, it top ten. This this made it on there, and it is said in all five Die Hard movies. It made it through all five of them. They had it to ain't keep broke. Don't back. fix it. Goddamn right. So I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now because of these, as a child, another orphan of a bankrupt uh, culture. This is John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. <laughs> Who's Marshall Dillon from another uh, cowboy, another gun, actor for uh, westerns? Gun, no, not Gunsmoke. Um, yeah, maybe it was Gunsmoke. God damn it, Bonanza. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Gunsmoke because it was set in Dodge City, right? <laughs> no, I, know. I think I it was know. Gunsmoke. Could have been, but one of those. Yeah, yeah, he was like a TV western guy, yeah. as opposed to movies like John mm-hmm. So now, because of these other guys, he's killed in the boardroom. Now, Bruce has the detonators. The detonator. a bag full of detonators. Like, oh, damn, what do they need all this for? This isn't good. He's talking to Powell on the phone. Yep, gun smoke. Gun smoke, got it. There you go, educational tab. I love how he's James talk- Arnassis. Is the actor? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I like how he's on the radio with Hans as he's digging through the bags, and he sees all the detonators. He's like, smart-ass, smart-ass, ma-. Whoa. Like, Ooh. interrupts himself to be like, oh, shit. So now... Uh, he's talking to Powell, trying to update him. This many terrorists, I got all this. Uh, he's even giving out names, and one of the henchmen's like, "Dude, he's giving away all our information." He's like, "Yeah, I don't fucking care. <laughs> like, we got bigger fish to fry, and until, until such and such stuff happens, he can talk all he fucking wants. I don't give a goddamn shit." Uh, so he makes a stupid joke about they got enough C four to orbit on Schwarzenegger, which I don't <laughs> know. if... Because now in the pat and within this like five minute window, we've got a Rambo joke, which is Stallone, <laughs> and an Arnold joke, and both of these guys were supposed to be McLean first. Intentional? I don't know. Uh, maybe. So now Dwayne Robinson shows up. That's right. Uh, Dwayne Robinson, played by Paul Gleason, who's known for being the vice principal in The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. You get the horns. You do, keeps doing. Yeah. You you, you want to mess with the bull? bull you get the horns. And he does the horn thing with his hands. Yep. Exactly. You get the horns. The horns. He does the rock fist. You get the horns. the horns. I'm putting up a peace sign, sign and a, uh, a thumb out. You're going to get the horns. Oh, that's bowling. <laughs> You're going to get the bowling. <laughs> I'm going to throw a bowling ball yeah. at you. Uh, so he shows up, and because of his time in Breakfast Club, he knows everybody's full of shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he immediately doesn't believe anything that Powell is telling him. He's like, well, this guy... I've got a guy on the inside. You don't know. He could be one of them just fucking with you. No, sir. I think he's a cop. What makes you think? Well, he can spot a fake ID. Spot a fake ID could be a goddamn bartender for all we know. (laughs) Which is a line because Bruce Willis, as he was trying to break into acting, was a bartender. bartender. That that doesn't surprise me. Right, 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 right. Anybody in the service industry is doing that while they try to be screenwriter, actor, musician, whatever. Dude, he totally served me a fucking Bud Light once. Damn. <laughs> but he has quite a few songs about it on his Motown album yes. that Bruce Willis has. That's I right, love everybody. That album. Bruce Willis is a Motown recording artist. That's right. Uh, he does a of cover Bruno. of Secret Agent Man, he does a re- which I think is great. A cover of Secret Agent Man. He does a cover of 
uh, Under the Boardwalk. Yes. And, oh. and a cover of Respect Yourself from yeah. the Staple Singers, but he has a song, Coming Right Up. Coming right up. Oh, yeah. Baby, that's coming right up. It ain't about a diner. Yeah, no. It's about him serving drinks because he's a bartender, baby. That's what Bruce Willis does. Before he started acting. Here we go. Yep. That's right, everybody. (laughs) Get down. What? (laughs) You've never heard this? Uh No. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Take a little break to listen to Bruce Willis on KLBJ. <laughs> this is every server's uh, <laughs> anthem. They make uh, I, <laughs> before every shift you listen to this yeah. song. You get pumped up by it. <laughs> Bruno's here, baby. Bruno's here, baby. <laughs> Coming right up. All right, so <laughs> that's right. Bruce Willis is a recording artist. Everybody. I've listened to that uh, multiple times at work. It's not a bad album. It's, I got to be saying it's got a groove to it, and he. I mean, he sings, but he also plays all the harmonica on the whole thing. He's he is. <laughs> oh, a, he plays harmonica. Yeah. He is an accomplished harmonica player. He's pretty fucking good. I think I knew that about his harmonica. Because he, playing. when he used to go on like the late shit, like the Letterman show, at commercial breaks, he would go and sit in with the band and play harmonica with them in and oh, out nice. of commercial breaks a lot. So you want to play with like a good band, you know? Well, That's yeah, where you would want to go, right? But Can yeah, I just sit in? everybody check it out. Return of Bruno. He, he, his songs are pretty eighties and kind of cheesy, but in a good way. It's a good listen. It's a fun album, and he does do some hella good harmonica work. Hella good. I can't believe I just said that. I would say it slaps. It, it does slap. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, it slaps. So, all right. Oh, is this a harmonica solo? No. No, that's a modulation. That's the modula- right. modulation. Key change, baby. <laughs> Key change. Right, so, anyway, back to this movie. Holly confronts Hans. Like, she stands up to him. Basic demands. You know, we got a pregnant woman. Don't worry. She's not due for a while, but... Let her sit down. She probably wants, get a room. Yeah. yeah. Want, you, can, we, can we move her to a couch? Listen, everyone's got to take a shit. No, but I'll have a couch brought to you. Fair enough. Okay, that'll work. Also, unless you want fucking piss and shit all over the place, you probably better start taking bathroom a shift breaks. to the bathroom breaks. It's like, oh, fair enough. All right. They're good shit. Hey, they're, they're not unreasonable. No, no, they're, those are fine. He's like, and what was your name? She goes, Gennaro. Holly Gennaro. Miss. Her, oh, a miss. Holly but Gennaro. being the, the former she, separated wife, she kind of yeah. knows, like, hey, yes, don't. Absolutely. She's smart. And you can tell, because yeah. you can see in her face, it's calculated. She doesn't yeah. know what to do it. She's smart. I just like how she gets her own Bond, James Bond <laughs> type of moment. She gets, uh, John McClane never gets that. No, he doesn't. Uh, so now LAPD are all coming in, rushing in. Uh, so now uh, they, they prep for police entry. So we we... While they're all coming in, and then and they know they're coming in, so the the Grubrikins are all getting ready and in their stations, right? Like the guys are wheeling off the rockets and the rocket launcher, and these guys are prepping for this. But we get the scene that I've brought up. I don't know how many times Al Young standing behind this concession stand with the Hershey's. and like looking around real quick to make sure no one's taking before he steals a candy <laughs> bar. Like you're still six hundred forty million dollars, and you're worried about a Snickers. <laughs> but that was actually his idea. He brought, <laughs> really? he brought that up. Like, would it be okay if I did this? Like, it was his fucking idea for the little comic relief in that. And that just makes me love my boy Al Young even more. Well done, Al. This is his big moment, I mean, he too. Was hu- yeah, he was hungry. Yeah, Like, right? he couldn't get to the catering table, or maybe he was like... 
it was off limits to him because he was like kind of side talent. And he was like, well, fuck it. Oh, there you go. Say, this is the 80s and he's Asian. What does that have to... Holly, Hollywood, Hollywood's pretty notorious freaking racist. I'm just saying. 80s Hollywood? Ah. You don't get the good craft table. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm surprised they even got a craft table. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> you get the scraps and you like it. Uh, yeah, it could have been that, yeah, he didn't have time to get there, so he's like, hey, uh, I got an idea. If I could just eat something, please, really fucking quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, however he came up with it, I'm glad he did, because I fucking yeah. love it. It's it's hilarious. So the cops can't get in. Like, they they can't break it. They can't unlock it. They can't pick whatever. So he's like, shoot, but don't kill them. So they, like, they pull a Terminator 2 and just blow out their kneecaps. he live. he live. Uh, well, and that's also a speed thing, too. Shoot the hostage. They can't be used as a hostage, as a shield anymore. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and so now they say, bring up the car. Got to bring in the car so the LAPD tank comes oh, rolling yeah, in. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Their little armored vehicle battering ram thing that they're going to drive through. And this is where we get Theo uh, doing his, like, sort of... Uh, Play by play, whatever, to the tune of "Twas the Night Before Christmas" because oh, it's Christmas Eve. Before, yeah, it is Christmas Eve. Uh, I saw not a creature was stirring except for four guys coming up on the south. Coming end. up on the south. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was oh, stirring except four assholes coming in the rear in standard two by two cover formation. Four assholes coming in the rear, Giggity. two by two. The name of Theo's sex tape. Theo's probably one of my favorite characters in this movie, I love, dude. I they, love him. Yeah, because they so they take them all out, but then when the car comes up, that this is where the quarterback. I, I misspoke earlier when they fucking fire the rockets down. Yeah. yeah, I also love as they're transporting the rockets, one of them falls off the dolly, and the guy starts screaming at him like, "What the fuck, dude? You goddamn rockets were transporting your quit being so stupid." But they fire down, blow it up, and the quarterback is toast. And uh, according to Amazon Prime here, character error. When Theo updates Hans on the police activity, he reports that the four assholes are coming into the rear in standard 2 by 2 cover formation. Um, the SWAT team the SWAT team members are not in 2 by 2 cover. They're all running together single, uh, single yeah, file. Yeah, they are. They're, ah. just, they're just running up there. They're not in any formation at all. So. Ah. Well, uh, so continuity error. So now the 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 armored car gets blown up, and this is where Bruce is like, "Fuck this! All right, fuck you, man! Fucking fuck, goddamn!" And puts a bunch of explosives on a computer chair, wraps a fucking extension cord around it to tie it down, and throws it down the goddamn elevator shaft and blows up the essentially (laughs) blows the goddamn building up. Dude, it's crazy too how it blows. It's a huge explosion, and there's a whole lot of of stuff about how they shot it. Like they filmed an explosion and kind of superimposed it over. But they didn't really need to because the actual explosion was so fucking huge anyway. <laughs> uh, but it's practical effects, everybody. Practical effects in this movie. He, John McTiernan. Look at that. It's like, because the ground floor of it when it lands, I mean, the, it's like fireworks going off coming out of the ground floor of this building. It's impressive. It's impressive. And it comes racing back up the elevator shaft, and he has to jump out of the way. And uh, the elevator... Explodes again when it gets to the top of the elevator shaft. The fireball in the elevator shaft was shot with real pyrotechnics using a miniature shaft. That's cool. Oh, man. 
A factual error. When John McClane drops the monitor with the C4 down the elevator shaft, he has time to jump away from the door as the explosion rises. The gases from C4 actually expand faster than the speed of sound, so his face would have been melted off. <laughs> That's what it says. I mean, it kind of looks like it anyway. Have you seen Bruce Willis' face? Nose all jacked up like that? Yeah. There's well, a bit of melting going on. There's a little melting. There's a little melting going there's on. There's a little melting. All right, so... Now, after this explosion, and everybody's like, okay, what? Oh, yeah, they're like, the police just blew up the building. It's not the police. It's him. It's him. Uh, everybody's freaking out, and here's where old Ellis, our ski, our skier, fucking hits the slopes a couple of times because, of course, he's got something like in his ring. Does he have a Coke ring? He's got he's to have a little he's got some. Ring. He's got a little his own personal stash, but he like, just a couple little bumps here. A of little sniff-sniffs. It's the 80s. And, and, and he's like, I'm going to go talk to him. I can negotiate with Hans. I do million-dollar deals for breakfast. I could do this. That's Brecken does he talk? And so, yeah, yeah, that's right. Brecken does he talk? So he gets the guys to take him into the office to talk to Hans one-on-one. And, Han, and so he's like, all right, just play it. Fuck it. Just bring it back. Because he's like, I say to myself, you guys are this. You do all this. You, and this right. I'm so astute. And Hans is like, wow, you what figured all this out yourself. You. Yeah, right. <laughs> this. Like, he thinks he's some great negotiator. But he negotiates negotiates $10 million deals for breakfast. Boy, yeah. That's right. Let's be straight, okay? It's obvious you're not some dumb schmuck up here to snatch a few purses. Am I right? You're very perceptive. Well, I watch 60 I Minutes six and say to minutes, myself, you know? these guys are professional. They're motivated. They're happening, i.e., they want something, huh? Now, personally, I couldn't care less about your politics. Maybe you're pissed off at the camel jockeys. Maybe it's the Hebes, Northern Island. It's none of my business. I figure you're here to negotiate. Am I right? You're amazing. You figured this all out already. <laughs> hey, business is business. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? Let's put it in my terms. I'll show you the you're fucking difference. You're here on a takeover. You grab us for some green mail, but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around in the building. Am I right? Hans... Bobby, I'm your white, white knight. knight. So that was that was ad libbed, and that's why Alan Rickman is looking minutes. at him like, "What are you saying? What <laughs> the yeah, I must have missed sixty minutes. What are you saying?" But the, the initial look up, is huh? just like, "What?" Because yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he says he can get John McClane for him, right? So he's saying he can do this. Also, at one point during during this this banter, where Ellis gets a radio and is talking to Bruce Willis, and like John, come get come down here. And he's like, Ellis, tell him you don't know me, John. After all these years, how can you say it's no Ellis? You don't fucking understand. Tell him you don't know me. Tell him the goddamn truth. What the fuck are you doing? Goddamn it! No, John, come on, man. <laughs> but during this back and forth, whatever, they, they bring a can of Coke and pour it into a glass for yeah. Ellis. I think it's a funny thing. I think he asked for some Coke. Oh, and they misunderstood uh, it. Is what I I think that's just like I think that's a funny little like wink wink nudge nudge kind of joke by funny. by director Matiernan here. Um, so he just I mean he sucks. He's so bad. Like he thinks he's this high powered negotiator, but he's just he's terrible. And Hans knew it the the minute he walked in the fucking office, and so he just he, he uh, Bruce. Sorry, fuck. I'm so mad at Ellis. He stops responding altogether. So I was like, John, Jad, Jad, <laughs> and kind of shrugs at Hans, like, uh, and then blammo, blammo. Ellis is fucking dead. He dead. He dead. 
Tell them you should have told them you didn't know them. I think you're dead anyways. They yeah. didn't like you. Right. But it's just like, what? quit. Now they know my name. Now they know all this shit. Like, God damn it, Ellis, you fucked everything you up. fucked it up. You fucked it up. So now Hans calls the cops directly, right? He demands the release of these revolutionaries. He has a whole list of the fucking whatever seven and the whoever nine and the whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he needs demands the release of his revolutionary brothers. And then we'll release the hostages. And Carl looks at him like, what? And he goes, I'm just buying time. So he's just keeping the cops busy doing something, keeping up the appearance that they're terrorists and not just there to fucking rob the vault. And so now he checks in with Theo, who's drilling through the seven locks. And uh, he can get through six, but that seventh one, man, that's electromagnetic. I ain't going to be able to get through that. I was like, yep, don't worry. Don't, don't worry. worry. We about got that. this. It's we Christmas. Got. It's the time of miracles because this is a Christmas movie. He said that. I don't know if you heard that when I you heard watched that. it, but he, he goes, totally said that in the movie, yeah. You've heard of Christmas, right? <laughs> so now Hans is like, I'm going to go to the roof to check on the explosives. Carl, you go find the detonators. Now, during this, the FBI shows up. God damn it, now we got the FBI. We got Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson, no mm-hmm. relation. And uh, Johnson and Johnson... <laughs> I get it. Yep. Uh, played by Grand Bush. What a fucking name. Grand Bush. <laughs> Seriously. And he'll be back on the rewatch in Street Fighter with Van Damme. Oh, he plays Balrog in Street oh, Fighter. Okay. Uh, the other Johnson is Robert Davi, who, uh, you, know, you all know Robert Davi from something. He's been in. He, he, I'm not going to go through it. He looks so, familiar. He definitely he is he's he's been doing a lot of work from since the seventies and I think is still going. So you'll you'll know Robert Davi. Don't worry about Robert Davi. You'll you'll recognize him. So now Hans is up at the roof checking on trying to check on his detonators, and that's when Bruce intercepts him. And so Hans goes, This is the scene we talked about that they added in when they found out that Alan Rickman is the baddest ass. And can do a great American accent. So he's like, "Oh no, you're 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 one of them. Don't shoot me. I I I was able to escape, and I thought I could try to get up there and signal for help somehow or do something." And uh, he's like, "Dude, just just fucking just fucking calm down. What's your name?" And he says, uh, "Bill Clay." And and uh, glance over. There's somehow at the, the at directory the, at the roof. There's a directory <laughs> for some reason, but there is a William Clay or a Clay W, which would be William. You know. So he's like, all right, that's cool. That do checks you, out. Yeah, all right. And he's like, do you smoke? Which means Hans saw it and he was like, have. I'm going to use that. And so uh, he's like, do you smoke? So he, yeah. So he hands him a smoke. So here's, I think, much like in Inglorious Bastards, where the mm-hmm. slightest little thing gives you away. Because remember Inglorious Bastards? Yeah, when he, he counts his counts wrong on his fingers. Yep. When he gets the cigarette, he's holding it normally, and Hans is holding it with fingertips, yeah. European style. And so that's a dead giveaway. Like, okay, this guy. But also, it's Alan Rickman's voice. Yes, he's putting on an American <laughs> accent, but it's still Alan Rickman's. Like, you were going, you've been dealing with Hans on the radio. That voice standing out very strongly in your fucking head. And you're going to recognize the timbre of that voice. That's a very recognizable. So either way, he... Like, you don't know when you're watching the scene until the whole gun thing, whatever, but... This is how Bruce Willis figured it out and gave him an empty gun. I'm saying. Yep. So, uh, he's like, you've ever fired a gun? Oh, I did it. You know, the ones where they shoot red paint. Yeah, well, 
this is uh, this is real, so, you know, be careful. Hands him a gun and starts to walk off, and as he's walking off, Hans slowly slips back into German and talking on the radio and points the gun at McLean. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, well. Hans. Put it down now. That voice, man. It's pretty tricky with that accent. You gotta be on fucking TV with that accent. Or a movie. Or a movie. <laughs> but what do you want with the detonators, Hans? What do you think he wants with detonators, Bruce? You're a cop. Use all the explosives. Oh. Or did I? Or did I? I'm going to count to three. Yeah. Like you did with, like you did with Takagi. One. Alan Rickman. I love he didn't even count at all. Yeah. I get one, Alan Rickman. Two, Two. Alan Rickman. But he doesn't count at all. He just fires right away. But uh, yeah, I fucking love it. Love it, love it, love it. No bullets. You think I'm fucking stupid, Hans? It's fucking great. It's great. So then, of course, as we heard, the elevator opens. The guys come out. Although, I guess there are probably multiple elevators. He just blew up the elevator shaft. But uh, big shootout. Carl and the other another guy there, <laughs> and they're going through. Now they're in like a, a computer room, probably the data center room, Something. With like computers everywhere, yeah. and 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 glass walls, or glass, I guess partitions. Yeah, whatever. And so they're shooting back and forth, shooting back and forth. Just everybody firing fully mm-hmm. automatic weapons. All and you see Hans get this idea, and then yeah, Hans is seeing all the glass walls. Like, oh, I saw his bare feet. <gasps> But he first he says it in German. I know, which is which and is great. Kyle doesn't he, understand. He says, yeah, yeah, he's like, what? Shoot the, the glass. glass. Which is another fucking Dude, standout that's like, line. I love it so. And then he's like, oh right, because then he just stands up and just starts fucking yeah. spraying. Fuck like, it. That's glass. I'm shooting it. That's that over there is glass. Well, that behind me that isn't even in the same direction. Shooting it doesn't matter. Anything glass, just shooting it. And you just see this glass just falling, panes of it falling <laughs> everywhere. You're just like, oh my god! It's like a really intense yeah. action. It's a good fucking action scene. It's the '80s, man. I know. Great action movies, I, right? But I like again, like they didn't want the unstoppable fucking superhero action movie. They wanted an everyday guy. And so now you're an everyday guy, and he's even like hiding behind the thing, like Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Oh my god! <laughs> like he's even freaking out by this. And then he looks down at his own feet. He's like, oh, fuck. Make a fist with your toes, huh? huh? Yeah. Get off the plane. Take off your shoes. Make a fist with your toes. He said it'd be a good time, John. <laughs> Have a few lips. So now uh, he's, they get the detonators back, right? He gets over there and he gets the bag and he reaches in. The detonators are there. And then they see this like fucking trail of blood. Because uh, John McClane's gone, uh, so we get back to the party, and Carl is pissed, and he's flipping over tables and fucking freaking out, <laughs> screaming. And and Holly goes, John's- "Only John can make a man <laughs> yeah. that mad. Only John can drive somebody <laughs> that crazy." Yeah. So now he's back on the radio with Powell, and this is a real touching scene. I like this where he's like in this bathroom pulling glass shards out of his feet, contemplating. This might be the, like, I might not survive this. Like, I need you to find my wife. Don't ask me how. You'll know. But you got to tell her all this. She's heard me say I love you a million times. 
Oh, you can tell her yourself, she cowboy. She never heard me say I'm sorry. Oh, she's telling her that. Tell her I'm sorry. But also, like, why are you a desk jockey? Are you a terrible shot? Why, you know, the way you drive, I he could see. He digs into yeah, him, yeah. Digs why? into him a bit, and then we find out uh, I shot a kid. Shot a kid. He had a gun. It looked real enough. But I could never never bring myself to draw my pistol again after that. So now I've got Chekhov's not gun. Chekhov's, yeah. Chekhov's non-gun <laughs> here. So uh, one one thing, one do-do-do-do I have in this scene. He's sitting there. He's sitting there pulling the glass shards out of his feet and smoking, and he's just talking over the radio, but he's not actually pushing the button on the radio. They're just like straight up having a speakerphone yeah. conversation. I, was, I mean, radios I do have a have a uh, like box. a box. Yeah, but can can you just straight back mm-hmm. and forth? Well, yeah, it's it it like when it essentially it's a noise gate. Like they'll once it detects a loud enough noise, it it's automatically hitting the transmit button. And then when you stop talking, it turns it off. Cuts okay, off. I didn't do that because I was like, simply put, what the box fuck? stands for voice operated exchange, or mm-hmm. more commonly known as the voice ac- activated transmission. Every two way radio or walkie talkie has the use of PTT oh, okay. push to talk. Yeah, I've got a I've got a little handheld ham radio, and I can set it to that. Okay, it basically gains you off the gain when you stop talking, and it allow the other guy to come back through. Because I thought you like you push the button and that's you sending and mm-hmm. once you stop that's when it can receive. Yeah, but I didn't know it could be said. But once it, you it, it once can you decipher s- when it sends or receives. Well, yeah, because when you're talking into it, like it's detecting your your level. Right, but you're holding you the button, telling it to send. Right, right, but but in in a Vox setting, you go through on the radio instead of Vox setting, it just automatically transmits whenever once it's sound. loud enough. Whenever yeah. there's sound going on, it's transmitting whatever's going on. When there's no sound, it stops mm-hmm. and, then and it's listen. receiving. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's totally. It's absolutely that's a real awesome. thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I had thing. no idea. Yep. I didn't know. I knew mm-hmm. there was a an app on your phone called Vox that mm-hmm. works kind of like a walkie-talkie kind of thing, but yep. you still have to push the button. Yeah, yeah. I did not know. Yep. Which I, I thought, think more I people would rather have. The option of turning it on and off, right? The, yeah. That you have your privacy when you know it's on or off. Well, because, you know, sometimes when you start talking, you might not be as loud, so you might yeah. lose the front and back end of it. Right, of whereas course. if you have it on, on the what button mode, then you control it. Yeah. 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 But if you, you know, need to sit there and smoke, hands or, or free. Pulling, pulling glass out of your feet, maybe you need, yeah, maybe you need your hands free. Yep. All right. Yep. I did not know. Now I know. Educational tab. Do-do-do. Oh, wait, that's, never mind. That's kind of sound effect. Yeah. So now... <laughs> The FBI are shutting down this entire grid, right? Because we got to cut power, but the only way to do that is from downtown. I can't do that from here. We got to do it downtown, but it's going to take out, what, 16 city blocks or something, they say? Whatever. Like, we can't do that. We got to call the mayor. It's like, And the FBI's like, do it or you lose your fucking job. Which, no, he won't. Like, I get that, but I'm sure that the fucking electrical company or whatever fucking uh, L.A. electric will be like, no, you still have a job. Yeah, <laughs> but you know the, the threat FBI in goes, the moment. You didn't, you didn't shut shit down. You're fired. No, you're not. But whatever. Yeah, right. They like they they definitely put the fear of the men in black into him. So he gets a little. Yeah, I need to shut the grid down. Oh yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> or yeah, I'm serious or whatever the fuck. Uh, and that that radio operator there comes back. I believe in Die Hard with a Vengeance. I think he's like. Mc- John McTiernan, director, has his own little stable guy. Oh, really? So he comes back as a different character. But, yeah, so they shut down the power grid because they're running the terrorist playbook. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I just, what's the fucking point in this? 
from from the FBI standpoint, I'm saying cutting the power. Yeah, making it uncomfortable. Yeah, making limiting. It uh, uh, did you not see the whole building just explode already? Like it exploded from the inside. Like powers, sh- powers down in the rooms. Lights are off. Also, you it's a skyscraper, so you can see when lights are on, and it's a glass building. You can see, and it's all dark. They don't need the lights, so I guess maybe the air, but really, like, that's just, that, it's so fucking, at this stage in things, it's so stupid. We'll cut power to the building. Why not? And oh, also, the they fuck? wouldn't They wouldn't need to cut power to, like, 16 city blocks. Like no. Every fu- and you probably know that every, every building has building a shutoff. Has a shutoff. Has a disconnect. At, yeah. <laughs> and it's stupid. So, like, if they're wanting to shut off the air to make them sweat, maybe... But they're fucking terrible. Like, so you're playing long haul, but also you're fucking over the hostages. Now, any too. any business or whatever in a high rise like that that's got some sort of ultra safe vault, they're gonna have a secondary separate power Absolutely. supply. You've got emergency power, yeah, exactly. You like have a generator, maybe power. from coming underground or on the roof. Like it's gonna be completely isolated from everything yep. else. Yep. So then you're not gonna do anything so by this cutting is stupid. the power. Like you're the goddamn FBI. You're smarter than this. This is like this is just stupid. And I, as a kid, I didn't ever think about it. I was like, oh, no, the seventh lock. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, but now it's like, that's just the stupidest fucking thing ever. Well, that's not a power play, FBI. That's the best. You, you're the FBI. The best you could do is turn off power. Fuck off. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's fucking stupid. But that disengages the seventh lock. We get Ode to Joy. Because why? Almost all the music in this movie is Christmas music. Several different iterations of Ode to Joy. Um, so the composer, because obviously he like reworked Ode to Joy or Beethoven's Fifth, as it is uh, uh, <coughs> called in the musician circles. Um, he didn't want to redo it. Like, why would you use Beethoven in a fucking action movie? That's why. No, don't solely Beethoven in that way. And McTiernan's like, well, because it's a... Uh, I mean, it's the moment, it's the triumph, it's the beauty of the moment. Also, it was uh, kind of the theme in Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange, and the sound guy was like, or the music composer, oh, fuck, you pulled a Kubrick on me. Well, the, uh, yeah. son of a bitch, I'm in. The (laughs) dude's uh, doorbell uh, in Clockwork Orange is the... Yeah, but that... But that played throughout, like that was also in the, well, in yeah, the soundtrack several, of the film. Several throughout, yeah, yeah. but the the doorbell at, at that house. But by using a, an art film mm-hmm. instead of just an action film, he got the composer on board because the composer was a bit of a snob. Like, all right, son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> so he was able to get the guy to work Beethoven into the soundtrack of the movie. Better than Danny Elfman, though, right? <laughs> Could you, you imagine those stupid players the, the scene a- when the vault opens and they're all like running around bum, 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 he flicks the statue? That would be fucking terrible. <laughs> but yeah, so they get in there, they get their bear bonds and they get all the shit. Now the FBI is sending in helicopters, but... Now, the helicopters the were asked for by Hans. Once you release my fellow revolutionaries. And he just started naming people. Oh, those people. Uh, then, you know, uh, hostages will be on the roof. You can pick them up. So they, the helicopters are supposed to be, air quotes here, picking up hostages. What they don't know is that they just plan on just f- opening fire and taking everybody out. Yeah. 
Well, that's what they were setting Absolutely. up the explosives for. Is that well, once no, they... uh, the FBI's plan is to open fire. They're oh, they're yeah. gunships. They're not. Yeah. Uh, they're not passenger ships. Yeah, they're they're there because they're even talking. Johnson and Johnson are like, "What do you think?" Eh, I'm thinking yeah, we'll lose twenty twenty five percent of the hostages. Yeah, I can live with that. Like their plan is to full on open fire. Now, what they cut FBI off the arm to save the body. Doesn't know is that Hans plans on just blowing up everything when they touch down. Yeah, the weight sensors. That is, I think they're going to fucking set to. off uh, and blow the roof of the building. And so then why would you do that? He goes, you steal $60, you can get away with it. You steal $600 million, they're going to come after you unless they think you're already dead. So fucking brilliant, Hans Gruber, this fucking guy here. <laughs> so now piece of shit reporter Thornburg finds out about, because now they got John McClane's name, right? They find out about Holly. They find out all they get about to the him, house, yep. and they get there, and he threatens the maid with immigration Oh, yeah. I'm going to call fucking immigration. Let me in here and harass these kids. Fucking piece of shit, this that's guy. That's reporters. I think that's oh, every terrible. reporter. Oh, <laughs> fucking scum of the earth. You're worse than lawyer. lawyers portrayed by the devil, you piece of shit. So, McLean has found out that the roof is wired, right? He's like, what were you doing up here, Hans? Why were you up here, Hans? What are you looking for? <laughs> and he does a, he does a pretty impressive pull-up. I must say, for Bruce Willis, he's looking fairly... He's in shape. He's not, like... He's not jacked to Ryan Gosling's tits by any means. But he's pretty in shape. But he just hops up there and just pulls on up. Well done, Bruce Willis. Pulls on up. Not bad for a bartender. And looks and goes, holy shit. And just sees C4. All the explosives. Everywhere. Yeah. But then Carl catches him. He, he gets down. He's like, oh, my God. Gun in his face. And so now Carl's like, we're both professionals. You killed brother. I want to, I want to kill you. Like he doesn't want to blow him away. He wants to fucking savor it. <laughs> I want to. I want to taste, taste the cheese. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to taste the blood cheese. And this, this fight is fucking excellent. Carl is just flip flop, Van Dam kicking all over the place. He's like. He's double drag spin kicking, and I mean Bruce Willis gets kicked in the face so many goddamn times, it's fucking terrible. And all he can do is like kind of run into him, like bulldoze him into a <laughs> yeah. wall or whatever, and then fucking kick him in the face twenty more times. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, it's awesome. It just kicks the fuck. Also, at one point he starts running away, and Carl picks up a gun and shoots him in the shoulder. So he's like going through a doorway. Oh, yeah. And you can see the blood splatter hit the shoulder or hit the wall, and you hear him go, ah! like he squeals a bit. Uh, so he gets shot in the shoulder, but then he like fucking gets him, and he wraps a chain around his neck and just starts punching the fuck. Up. I'm gonna fucking kill you. I'm gonna fucking cook you. I'm gonna fucking eat you. He <laughs> <laughs> went fucking Jeffrey Dahmer on. He goes him. extreme, and then it's like put gets the chain wrapped around his neck a bunch of times and like just swings him on whatever conveyor belt thing this chain's hanging from. Took the, the place of the meat hook. Yeah, swinging essentially. In the factory. He's like, you should have hurt your brother, Scrub, when I broke his fucking neck. He's like, he's really digging into. It's like, hang on, Bruce. Let's just check the tape. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fell Actually, down the stairs with him. Uh, hang on. Also, Bruce, are you okay? Because literally none of that was in the script, dude. You went dark. But yeah, he's 
hangs him up and swings him almost like the fucking memo delivery boy in Beetlejuice. <laughs> yes, that's what <laughs> it looked like. Swinging him along and just swings him off, and then it's the end of that fight. And it's just like, God damn, John McClane, are you okay, dude? That was some sadistic shit. So then he we he heads back to the roof because all the hostages have been moved up. You know, it's coming down. Uh, he knows the FBI is coming. He does not know, I think, that the FBI plans on just opening fire on everybody. Yeah. But he does know that as soon as they land, everything's blowing up. So he gets there. Of course, my man, Al Young, is guarding the door up to the roof. Blows him the fuck away. <laughs> and... Uh, Gets up on the roof and he runs into the pregnant lady. He's like, "Where's Holly? Where's Holly?" He's like, "I don't know. I don't know. They took her." Because, uh, yeah, we did skip over that. That Hans has figured out. He figured out when when yeah. he saw the reporter harassing the fucking children. Mommy, come home. He pieces it together and turns around because he'd been using her her office this whole time mm-hmm. and picks and a he picture, sees the picture up. Oh, you bitch! That she so had flipped down. She had earlier down. in the movie. Because she's smart. And it worked for quite a while. For quite yeah, a while. If it wasn't a for a piece of shit Thornburg, it would have kept working. Fucking reporter Thornburg. So, yeah, anyway, the uh, pregnant lady on the roof's like, oh, she, they, they took her somewhere, I don't know, I think to the vault. Where's the vault? Uh, 30th floor. Sure, why not? And so then he's like, the roof's wired, you gotta get out of here. But of course, it's a bunch of frantic hostages that are all screaming, nobody can hear him. So you're just like, fuck it, and then just start spraying the gun in the air. You know, like herding cattle. Cue the helicopters. Herding cattle, essentially. And they're like, oh, my God, that looks like a terrorist. Oh, shit. Open fire. So then they start firing. And so hostage... No, you son of a bitches. I'm the good guy. (laughs) We're on the same side. We're on the same side. And he, like, jumps down because, you know, there's, like, a a helipad built up on the roof. So he jumps off the helipad down onto the regular roof. And um, then he's like, okay, I know this is going to blow up at any second. And he fucking gets the fire hose. And here it is, everybody. The best scene the ever. Gets the fire, ties it around his waist, and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you fucking doing? <laughs> what the fuck? And he gets to the edge of the roof, and he's like, oh, my God. Oh, oh. And then the roof fucking explodes as he leaps off the building. And what a goddamn scene it is. That shot, that camera shot of him flying through the air off the top of a building as it explodes. Amazing. Got us so good, and he falls down. Now the the spool has been knocked loose because of the explosion, and it kind of bounces along, but it catches. So he gets caught and whips into the glass, and he's trying to trying to kick it, trying to break it, and so he of course pulls his kicks gun out. Away and- yeah, kicks away, gets his pistol out, and shoots shoots it a bit to weaken it, and splashes through. He's laying there, but then the spool comes loose and falls, and he sees he's like. Oh fuck! And then oh, pulls fuck, him fuck, right fuck, back fuck, to fuck, the fuck, starts pulling him down anymore. So he's trying to untie it, trying to untie it, try, and finally gets it loose, like right before it pulls him over the edge of the building. It's again McTiernan's use of like the the tense mm-hmm. fucking scenes he can make. Oh, it's awesome! God damn, it's awesome! It's just it, it's a perfect goddamn action scene. Everything about it is great. So now Argyle hanging out, <laughs> partying. In, Enjoy, in the back of the limo, in the, in the parking the garage. Limo, blasting music, enjoying the mini bar. Fucking Stevie Wonder, at least he was up. jamming to in the beginning. Yeah, that's right. He was Stevie Wonder, which is funny because uh, when Al Powell first pulls up, John McClane's like, who the fuck's driving this car, Stevie Wonder? <laughs> so and then now we do get Stevie Wonder in the limo. 
and so he sees this this truck that had pulled in hours ago at the beginning of all this. All of a sudden, the back opens up, and an ambulance pulls out of the back of this truck. He's like, well, that that doesn't make any fucking sense. That's not how ambulances work. <laughs> and so, where do ambulances come from? From trucks, apparently. <laughs> he just watched an ambulance birth, you guys. So he, he races the limo and T-bones this fucking ambulance, crushes in the driver's door, and Theo's trying to get out of it, and he just fucking clacks him. <laughs> knocks him right the fuck out. Way to go, Argyle. Good on you. Earned that tip, buddy. You did it. Now, John is look. He's surveying his fucking thing here. He knocks out a dude, sees all the bearer bonds. He's like, okay, I got a... Well, his, his machine gun is empty, and he had two bullets left in his pistol, right? That's right. Fuck. He's only got but he, two. See, he sees that little strip of tape, and he gets the idea. So he walks in, Hans, and he's limping and battered, bruised, bleeding, fucked up. And even Holly's like, oh, Jesus. 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 <laughs> Which, okay, sorry to always bring up, but the, the first season paintball episode of Community ends with Jeff Winger pulling this, walking in with a fully automatic paintball gun to the dean's office, and even says Hans, and then pulls the pistol off his back. Total diehard ripoff. Uh, who fucking hilarious. cares? I do. That's who fucking cares, you piece of shit. <laughs> so he's got the automatic, and 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 uh, Hans tells him to pull it down because he's got, he's got Holly, and he's standing right by a blown-out window. We're standing right here at the precipice, and I got a gun to her head. You better put that fucking gun down. So he puts the machine gun down, hands behind his head, and Hans is like, what was it you said to me? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. And then he starts laughing, which makes Hans laugh, which makes Randy, or is it Randy Travis? This is Randy Travis still here somehow, right? You got you got to pull it up. Is so still Randy Travis in this scene? Uh, is that my boy Randy Travis? Checking now. No? He's in the scene. It, no, there's a third guy that's like loading all the fucking bearer bonds onto a cart. Anyway, so everybody starts laughing except Holly. She's like, what is going on? Everybody has lost their fucking mind. I don't understand. And so he's laugh, 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 laugh. Hands kind of behind his head. Reaches down, grabs a pistol. Blammo. Forehead shot on the other guy. Clips Hans, though. That is Randy Travis still. You need to update the staff listing. Well, it changes every time it shows somebody. Let's yeah. See. But so headshot that dude clips in Alan, Rick, uh, Alan Rickman, who falls out the window, but grabs Holly. Mm-hmm. So now he's hanging and Holly's the only thing keeping him. Well, her watch. Right. But and I think we glossed over in the beginning. But that's right. Uh, when he first shows up, homie was like, show him the watch. Show him the watch. Cokehead Ellis. Like, it's a Rolex. Rolex. It's like, Chekhov's watch. Chekhov's watch. Chekhov's Rolex. Chekhov is all over this movie. Chekhov's all over this film. Chekhov's Chekhov list. Whoa. So yeah, he's hanging there. He's hanging there. Like he's holding on to her, but yeah, yeah. like his but fingers it's the are watch on the watch that's keeping. So, so McLean just undoes the watch, and Alan Rickman falls in slow motion with that huge that look of surprise. Now what they did was he was holding on to the stuntman for that POV shot. Uh huh. And and uh, all right, we're going on three, but they let him go on two. So he had a oh bit shit! So, so, so they got the surprise. Yeah, so that's why he was like, <laughs> I guess essentially yeah. that. Yeah. So that that look on his face was like, oh fuck! 
because he did not know. And then, he yeah, wasn't ready I mean, yet. that fall was obviously and then, real, and it was in, but it was into one of those big, a big airbags, yeah, yeah. right? So it was a real fall, and and then also there's a there's a shot here that's going on right now on the computer, listeners, that you can't see, but it starts at the top with the explosion still going on on the top of the building, and then it pans down, and as it pans down. Comes and there's a bunch of bearer bonds floating in the air, and we see all the police activity in the ground. Slow pan. Now it started. The explosions on the roof was a miniature. Ah. It was a model shot, and it uh. seems it shifts into a shot of the actual building and the set and nice. the, the cars and everything. And so the plan was to cover up the 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 seam. They were going to have like a flurry of bearer bonds come in front of the, the front of the screen, but then they were like, actually, that looks smooth as shit, and you can't tell. You cannot tell. Where it happens. If you can't tell, why should we? Yeah, exactly. So, like, fuck it, leave it. Um, so, anyway, uh, Han's fault. It's awesome. It's so, it's just fucking great. John and Holly come out, got the whole blanket wrapped around each other thing. And everybody's, all this chaos. And here comes Al Powell walking up. And he is like, well, that's obviously John McClane. The guy looks beat to shit. He's coming out of the building. That has to be him. And John looks over and is like, well, that's the only cop goes, looking at me Powell. instead of doing something. Yep, that must be the guy I've been talking to. Looks and like so, that guy on Family Matters. You look just like that dude on Family Matters. Do you know Urkel? Do you know Urkel? And then they hug it and out. So they, they, they hug it out and they have a nice little bro lovey moment, it's right? A good moment. Very good it, moment. It is. Um, and so now we get. Chekhov's non gun paying off because everybody's like freaking out because Carl. You didn't is double not tap, dead. dude. Didn't double tap. Also, Carl, so they had him on a stretcher because he was hanging, right? And he gets up off the stretcher, and he has a fucking gun in his hand still. Why did you leave the gun with the corpse? How, where did he get the fucking gun? It's not like he came to and pulled it off wishes. of a cop because it was a fucking, it's an automatic gun. It's not a service revolver. That's right. How the fuck did he have this on the stretcher with him? Do-do-do-do. That fucking shit. Do-do-do-do. Continuity For error. fucking sure. But so yeah, he says right here. Uh, uh, Carl was faking being dead. He would not have been placed in a body bag with a fully loaded weapon. <laughs> they would have been removed as evidence. Yeah, absolutely not. But he also didn't have a wep- fully automatic weapon on him when he got hung up by a chain and slammed against the wall. He didn't have a weapon on him, so he wouldn't have had it anyway. But he gets up and Bruce Willis is like, I don't know what to do other than like put my body in front of Holly. You know, like he just covers his wife. But, of course, blam, 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 blammo, Al, who has not pulled a service revolver in however many years, takes out Carl. And it's now a 13-year-old boy like last time. So we get the payoff of Chekhov's non-gun. And then shitbag reporter comes back up, like, I need my ears closer right now, and Holly <laughs> fucking knocks Ooh, him. Decks him. Merry Christmas. Fuck you. And so they hop in the back of the limo, and Argyle drives them off, and we cue... Well, the weather outside is frightful. Weather. Because why? So delightful. Song is playing just right here. It's Christmas movie this year. That's right. So then, then that's it. We uh, let it snow on into credits. So let's uh, do the old proverbial horn here, folks. What do we think about Die Hard here? All right, Die Hard. I'll make it quick here. It's a classic. Everyone should watch it at least once, and that's it. Not rewatchable. Wow. What the fuck Sorry. is wrong with you? It's just not a rewatchable movie for me. <laughs> Incorrect. All right. All right. Brandon? Um, man, I've grown up watching this movie. I've seen it more times than I could count. 
Uh, absolutely love it. I think it absolutely needs to be watched every year around Christmas time, and then <laughs> once again somewhere around like Easter-ish. Easter ish. Easter, yeah. Um, Go fuck yourself. Huh? Hey, that's fine. Uh, yeah, absolutely love it. One hundred and one percent rewatchable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as obviously, we kept the running joke of Christmas movie or not because that's the. And I remember being on tour with the TJ. And uh, we'd stop it into truck stops, and they'd have the display set up with Christmas movies because, you know, it's the time, and here's a special on Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Die Hard was always in there right next to White Christmas yep. and fucking Home Alone yep. and fucking Frosty and Rudolph's Big Adventure or whatever the fuck all that shit was. Uh, I don't honestly care either way. It doesn't matter. I'll play into that fucking argument and have fun with it. I do love watching this at Christmas, but that's because it's goddamn Die Hard. I don't care <laughs> what day of the week or year it is. If someone's like, die it doesn't hard, matter. Die Hard, Die Hard, Die Hard, Die Hard, Die Hard. Let's watch Die Hard. Fourth of July, die hard. die hard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm like Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine Nine. He loves Die Hard. By the uh, way, favorite movie. It's awesome. Die Hard fucking rules. It's like an absolute perfect action, action movie, movie in every goddamn way. It's fantastic. Uh, I can't believe. Honestly, that there would be anyone listening to this show who has not seen Die Hard at least five or six times. Losers. Uh, other than Lowe's. But Lowe's doesn't listen to the show. He just partially Well, you can't spell it. losers without Lowe's. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Got him! Oh, Got him! <laughs> Go fuck yourself, huh? <laughs> So there we stand. <laughs> two out of three. We, ru- we had a good streak of threesomes going on. Now we ruined it. Now we just have a twosome. That's yeah. fine. Devil's Advocate was way better than this movie. Ah. If I was going to say that's rewatchable and then this is rewatchable, oh, come on. Come on. Can't. See, people can listen for mine and realize, yes, this man has a, a genuine... He's the oh, voice yeah. of reason on the uh, show. Uh-huh. Uh, if I can still say rewatch on a classic movie like The Devil's Advocate <laughs> and I say it for this, people are going to go like, what's wrong with you, Los? There's something wrong. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Twitter always settles all our beefs, mm-hmm. all those polls. Hans. Oh, remember. Uh, fuck, what, what was it when we were talking about burgers or peas? Was burgers or peas? I don't know. No, Demolition Man, maybe, yet. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we were talking about the Jolly Green Giant. Green oh, giant the show peas. tunes. Yeah, and the show tunes, and he accidentally went yum, and so we started yum. The, the Red debate, Robin the debate about Red yum. Robin burgers or peas. So we did a poll. Uh, Red Robin did win. But yes, fucking barely. I could not believe how many people preferred wow. peas to Red Robin cheeseburgers. It was it was close. It was go uh, fuck yourself, everyone. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was disturbingly close. I couldn't believe it. So, hey, Red Robin, you Yum. better step it the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're losing to the green uh, giant. Yeah. So, all right, everybody. Let us know what you think about Die Hard. Are you a Jake Peralta or are you a Los? You can find us on Twitter at Their Watch Party. Email us at TheRewatchParty at gmail.com. Uh, or just, you know, general stories. You know, tell us some fun movie experiences you've had. Uh, anything. We'd just love to hear from you. Or go fuck might, yourself. Might, might, uh, might get yourself a signed copy of a movie. It is happening. It is a real thing. We've been signing them. We have been signing and sending them out. I've been writing things on there. So, <laughs> <you have laughs> the, the fucking... 
best. Uh, when we signed to A-Team, it was, holy shit, this movie sucks. I think that was my favorite thing we've written on one. <laughs> they flew a tank. They flew a tank. Uh, so that's it for us this week. Join us next week as we blow up the D.C. airport. Also, there's an icicle death. Die Hard 2, colon, Die Harder. Die Harder. Until then, I'm Nick with Lowe's and Brandon, and thanks for rewatching. Listen, honey, when you land, can we check into a hotel or leave the kids with your parents, order some room service? You're on, Lieutenant. i see you in about a half an hour, honey. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Christmas Eve. Is there a cop on duty around here? Airport police. Go get him. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. Washington, D.C. International Airport. What's this about? Oh, just a feeling I have. Ouch. When you get those feelings, insurance companies start to go bankrupt. The towers lost control. Instrument landing system is down. Backup systems won't come up. We've got blizzard conditions. Zero visibility. Attention all controllers. We have a code red alert. There's panic in the air. This is a professional mercenary. You got the world's biggest drug dealer on his way here now. What do you need, a slide rule to figure this out? You get the hell out of my office before I throw you out of my damn airport. And terror on the ground. Who is this? Who I am is unimportant. What I want is very important. Oh, we are just up to our neck in terrorists again, John. But for police officer John McLean. It's just another Christmas. You're the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Story of my life. Slaughter sells for maybe two hours. After that, those planes low on fuel aren't going to be circled. They're going to be dropping on the White House lawn. Any attempt to restore your systems will be met by severe penalties. Somebody out there. It's McLean. Wife's plane, they're gonna run out of fuel in 90 minutes. What are you gonna do? Whatever I can. Last time, it blew you through the back wall of the theater. Got a cowboy right too rough? I don't like the fly. What are you doing here? I don't like the moves either. This time, ah! it'll blow you sky high. What you expected? No. This is just the beginning. On July 4th, Die Harder. Bruce Willis, Die Hard 2.